Uh, hello. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. Pretty good. Sid is of many words today. It's been a tough one, folks. Hello. I'll say that now. Good. This is all we get out of Sid today. Hello and See good. See you later. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have one word responses today, so it'll be a short podcast. Sid, give us your hot take on the movie. Good. good. <laughs> I guess that's at least accurate, right? <laughs> Okay, let's see here, folks. Um, yeah, hello and welcome to episode 58 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, the only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it. There may be others where other people watch movies and then talk about them, but this is the only one where we do it. My name is Andrew Westensko. I'm the host of this year's podcast, joined at my right hand in life and in all things by Becca. Hi. How are you? I'm good. It has two words. Jeez, holy yeah. cow. Can't stop me. I'm oh. going to keep talking. Oh, no. You're like... Two words at a time. You're like Sh- Sh- Sue Ellen or whatever her name whatever. was. What was her name? <laughs> I don't know what her Sh- name is. Shirlene. Sh- Sh- you could slap a few syllables together and you'd get it. <laughs> I guess so. What is her name? That doesn't really matter. This is a joke that has long since fallen flat. Um... <laughs> And to Becca's right and my left, due to the circular nature of our table, is Sid. Hey. It was LaShawn, by the way. And she's played by Anna Ferris. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Did hmm. not recognize her. Dude, that's who it is. Kate Mara plays Alma Jr. I was like, why do I know who this is, but I can't freaking place it? <laughs> there you go. Thanks, IMDb. <laughs> I owe my life and soul to IMDb. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. For they all the questions they answer. They answer a lot of questions. I spend a lot of time reading trivia. Just looking through the pictures of Timothy Chalamet. Exactly. I was just <laughs> going to say that. Yep. Oh, man. We're gonna get, we get a lot of mileage out of the Timothy Chalamet jokes, too. We're Guys, we're doing great. Um, so what's up folks? How we been? It's been, gosh, almost, it's been like three weeks since we've recorded, uh, quarantine, uh, sometimes makes it tough to get together. Also people going out of town all over the place. You were the only one who didn't go out of town. I know. That's why I'm, that's why I'm blaming you guys. You're jealous. Yeah, you are. I got to stay home and play video games You're for a week. You're right. That, that was just as much of a vacation for you. I had as a great. I, I had a great vacation. I door dashed every single night. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> I I literally didn't leave the house for a week. You spent more money staying home than I did going on vacation. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, because <laughs> I bought a couple video games. I door dashed every day. I had packages come in the mail, and I didn't go pick them up <laughs> because I didn't leave the house for a week. Literally. It was great. It was great. Sometimes I opened the, the blinds. And I made you walk out the door a couple times to water my plants. That's true. I did have to water a plant. So I did. <laughs> I went out to the porch. That's as far as I made it. I didn't put shoes on. Oh, boy. It's pretty great. It's a good thing I came home. Whatever. I would have done just fine. Hmm. You would have spent all of our money. I already did that. Yep, you did. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, folks. We're back. Let's see. A couple of things I want to talk about before we get into uh, the stuff. Guys, what is going on with the Oscars? Uh, I'm excited about some things. A little disappointed about some other things. 
So let's let's talk about what the things are. I haven't uh, read anything. And so. then we can get uh, Sid's take on it. Uh, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences announced on Monday that the 93rd Academy Awards has been postponed to April 25th. Hmm. Uh, Variety, uh, who is also the source for this article that I'm reading, uh, was the first to report in mid-May that the Academy was considering delaying the big night in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the statement from the Academy reads... For over a century, movies have played an important role in comforting, inspiring, and entertaining us during the darkest of times. They certainly have this year. Our hope in extending the eligibility period of our awards day is to provide the flexibility filmmakers need to finish and release their films without being penalized for something beyond anyone's control. This coming Oscars and the opening of our new museum will mark a historic moment gathering movie fans around the world to unite through cinema. So... Here's going to happen. The uh, the awards ceremony has been pushed back, as I said, to April 25th. Uh, a film, uh, the eligibility date, uh, has been extended to February 28th, uh, but only but only sometimes. Um, a lot of, uh, let's see, animated feature film, documentary feature, documentary short subject, international feature film, animated short film, and live action short films still have to be in by December 1st, 2020, which is weird. Oh, yeah. I guess they need four extra months to watch those. Who knows? Apparently, uh, COVID only affected certain movies. Right. Uh, let's see. The format of the Oscars. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so BAFTA moved their award ceremony as well. Um, yeah. This is the fourth time, apparently, the Oscars have been postponed. They were first delayed in 1938 after massive flooding in Los Angeles. In 1968, they were put on hold after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And again, in 1981, following an assassination attempt on President Ronald Reagan. Didn't even even, uh, succeed on that one, and they got it delayed. So what we're saying, what the Academy is saying, the message they're sending implicitly, is that the coronavirus pandemic is only as bad as an attempt on Ronald Reagan's life. That these events have equal consequence in our society. That's what the Academy is saying. <laughs> is and until saying? and until they come out and say otherwise, that's the message I'm gonna propagate. <laughs> maybe I can call maybe I can call One American News Network and uh, tell them of the liberal Hollywood's scheme to downplay the coronavirus. Someone's gonna believe you. Yep. Trump might. He'd believe anything. <laughs> as long as it, you know, coaxes his ego, so. Guys, you're not gonna believe what I can do. Check this out. I'm gonna. <laughs> oh no. What? Drink it all right now. Guys, I drank some water and I didn't even spill it on my tie. And you only used one hand. And I only used one hand. It was like shaking. <laughs> no, it, no, I'm holding a gallon of water here. <laughs> I bought I bought a gallon uh, water bottle, folks, to try and make sure that I drink enough water during the day. And it gets heavy. It does. And we're at 9 a.m.? Yeah, but I filled it up at like 5. Yeah, but it's still funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, just in case anybody missed it, the President of the United States uh, needed congratulating for being able to drink a glass of water. Um, where he previously required two hands to do so in an effort to not spill water on his silk tie. 
I didn't even know that. If you're, if you're that's asking, what, that's what we're talking about. If now. you're asking why he felt the need to explain this, <laughs> I don't have an he, answer for you. You know what it is? He just doesn't want to talk about minorities, so he chooses to use that time to talk about his tie. Oh no! Yeah. As soon as he finished talking about the tie, he talked about minorities. But in a not great way. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. In like a horrible way. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, your weekly reminder here from the folks that we watch movies and then talk about them to get out there and register to vote. Uh, this year's a big year, obviously, but you should also vote in your local elections. So. Yes. Yeah. Go if vote. You're in Utah, it's too late to register, but. Well, yeah. but here's the thing, you can still register for the general yep. election. Yes. And hopefully your vote counts. Hopefully you live in a state where your vote counts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. So that's uh, about the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences, or whatever the heck it's called. Um, Academy of Motion Pictures. Oh, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Oscars are delayed. What do you... You said you, said you like some, you don't like some. Yeah, what- um, they are starting that every year they're going to nominate 10 movies for Best Picture. I'm into that. Yeah, me too. Cool. Because there are so many movies that get ignored. It's, you have 10 slots open. Why not fill them? So, very happy about that. And that's all. That's all we're happy about? <laughs> that's all. Here's the thing. Here's what I don't get. What do they think is going to happen in an extra two months? Do you know what I mean? Um, I would assume it's just to get the movies released. I mean, you know, there's obviously a big delay on movies getting made. Sure, but is it like, is it just a hope that they can get together and have their big jerk-off party together in the same room? Like, is that, are they yeah, like, so maybe they maybe by masks. maybe by April we'll be able to get together? Maybe. Because I refuse to see Timothy Chalamet with a mask on. What get if that it was, off. What if it was a Dune-themed mask? <gasps> Shit, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he wore, last year he wore the blazer with the Atreides symbol on it, right? Yeah, yeah I think he could pull it off. Alright. He can pull anything off. So then here's my question. Last year, I believe there were nine movies nominated. Am I right? One, two, yes. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. So uh, what do we think got passed over then? Like what would have... Because they were pretty... It was pretty swept, like as far as the categories go, mm-hmm. right? Um, Uncut Gems wasn't nominated. Uncut Gems wasn't nominated for anything, though. Anything. So I don't think that it would have snagged... Yeah, for sure. Like a Best Picture nom. Right? I mean, obviously, I would have liked to see it. Becca um, Becca doesn't care. I could have seen, like, <laughs> Knives Out. That's my nominated. that's my call. I yeah. think if they had mandated 10, I think Knives Out would have got a nomination. Yeah. That would have been cool. And you know what? Knives Out is better than a few of the movies that were nominated. Yeah. So. Yeah. Actually, last year was a really, really good It crop. was really good. I think. And honestly, even Endgame. Endgame could have been nominated. Yeah. It didn't really have any any legs to stand on in anything yeah, other than like true. visual effects so and it didn't even win that yeah for some reason so actually this is interesting i gave a lot of hate to 1917 winning uh best visual effects um but if you watch uh did you watch the vfx artist react where they talked about 1917 Mm-mm. so obviously the waterfall scene was pretty rough yeah that looks terrible yeah right <laughs> Um, but apparently they used like completely digital doubles to stitch together a lot of the takes to maintain okay. the image. So like the one that they focused on a lot is right at the beginning after they get into no man's land and they fall down in that ditch. Mm-hmm. Apparently they take the the people and they cut as they're sitting in the ditch. 
and then they have another cut that starts as they're walking away and in between there they like comp like basically figure out a digital version of the person and have the digital version climb out of the ditch and then they can continue the shot really seamlessly and like Mm. apparently that's all over the place that they just like okay that makes sense pretty impressive yeah they just like replace the people yeah. with what they call them digital doubles yeah i just wow. feel like I, I mean i'm it's been a few months obviously since i watched the oscars but i feel like every time they showed it like all the nominees they were showing like the water and like everything that didn't look very good it was like very obvious this is cgi right also apparently the burning church was yeah. entirely cgi yeah, that was i didn't know that oh because yeah. that looks amazing yeah all right I'll give it to him. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna retract any negative statements I said. That's your correction, or your uh, revisionist corner for today. Is Andrew is okay with 1917 winning for best visual <laughs> effects? Mostly because there wasn't really anything else that like wowed me for last year. But I guess Avengers. I think it's stupid that Irishman was nominated, but it was like just by doing that they were gonna get nominated. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, and it's more stupid that Uncut Gems wasn't even nominated for sound. But what are you going to do? Becca won't even watch that movie, so. I'll watch it again someday. We've just got a lot of movies on the shelf. We do have a lot of movies on the shelf, and I just bought a bunch more. Yep. But unfortunately, we haven't been able to get to any of them because we've just been playing The Last of Us Part Two. It's true. Which has been very good. Mm-hmm. What's that look, Sid? Do you not approve of The um. Last of Us? I don't, I don't think I know what that is. I've heard of it. Oh, it's a video game. It's a zombie video game. Okay. It's amazing. But it's basically like a movie. So is like, it like the ones where it's like choose your own adventure type? No, no. It's like it's like telling a like a very straight up story. Okay. But it's like, hey, here's a cutscene with story. And now you get to shoot some zombies. And oh. now we get another cutscene with some more story. <laughs> I often forget that it's a video game. And you just, you just play for the story, though. Like the combat's not that great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just come watch you guys play. It's uh, fun. You wouldn't be the first person to do that. I've I've played through the first one like four or five times with just people watching. So, I mean, I've like I never played video games, but I've started to like get into watching YouTube videos of like people explaining video games or like actually playing them hmm. because they're some really good stories. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not gonna play it, so I mostly just watch like scary games and laugh at the people when they get scared have you do you want to watch an actual scary one look up a playthrough of pt i've seen that one. have you seen oh my yeah. gosh dude <laughs> that, that thing scary. freaks me the f out yeah. Jeez. yeah okay well there we go um cool folks dude can we just remember that laura dern won an oscar last year oh yeah how the Oscars feel like forever ago. They feel like so long ago. <laughs> so long ago. It's a different world. Carefree. I guess as we... Uh, I mean, what are we even excited for this year, though? A Tenant is apparently full steam ahead July 31st. Well, um, movie theaters are starting to open. Yeah. Yeah, like half capacity, right? Yeah, yeah I don't know exactly how it's working but i think megaplex in utah is starting yeah to i um got an email from cinemark they're opening but like you know they don't have any movies to show so they're showing old movies yeah and i'm gonna see fury road in theaters when are you going uh first day july 3rd like they're showing it yeah that's Dude, the movie we should go that's we have to I go say when you get i would watch it do you have theaters. tickets no not yet when you get them let us know okay also, they're like showing like the Dark Knight, 
and I know they showed Dunkirk. Yeah. You guys in my band went and saw Dunkirk the other day. Yeah, no, they're actually showing like a few really good ones. Okay, when you go see Fury Road, seriously, we'll just I'm I'm on air inviting ourselves to your party. <laughs> okay, sounds good. You said July third. Um, that's like the first day that they're open. Oh, that's next week. Is it? Yeah. Oh shoot! Yeah, we should get tickets. Um. Yeah. The Oscars feel like so long ago. So, uh, but I guess big ones. So, Tenant again, full stream ahead. Apparently, mm-hmm. July thirty first. And yeah, I mean, you can still pack a butt ton of people into an IMAX theater. Oh yeah. That'll be interesting. I still want to see it in seventy millimeter. I don't know if there's going to be anywhere doing that though. Um. French Dispatch, I think, is delayed to like October, right? Do you know? I know that it's delayed, but it's still coming out yeah. this year. Yeah, I'm sure it's delayed. And there's been no word on Dune. Yeah, because it was always a Christmas release. Yeah. So, I mean, do we have... Are there any other movies that we're even excited about? I can't... We, I mean, I haven't seen any trailers because I haven't gone to the theater. Yeah, and with Cannes getting canceled... Yeah. Like, they came out with their list that they were like, these are our Cannes-approved movies, and there's like 200 of them. Oh, jeez. I'm like, how am I supposed to differentiate between any of these? Yeah. Like, why... Why why would I have gone and watched Parasite if it wasn't for winning the prize last year? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Give us like five. Like they should at least, if they're approving them, they should at least give us like a top five. Yeah. Right? And then I could just watch those. Yeah. Boo, you can. Being lazy. <laughs> no. Um, who's, I, this is a really random. Do you know who was supposed to be the jury president for Can this year? No clue. Because it was Inyaratu last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, we might have Inyaratu to thank for the parasite buzz. Mm. He's a good man. He is a good, good man. Work. He has done good work. Of course he has. Man won Best Picture two years in a row. That's crazy. Because <laughs> he did Birdman. Oh no, Revenant didn't win Best Picture. He won Best oh. Director two years oh, in a row. Oh, That's gosh. right. But still, to have both of those. Two, um, well, yeah. When your two movies are Birdman and The Revenant. Yeah. Like, give me a break. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, let's jump into this then. Uh, today, that's that's it for news, right? Is there any other news we want to cover? I don't think so. Timothy Chalamet single. I found that out a while ago. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Was he previously not? He was not. He was dating um, Lily Rose Depp, Johnny Depp's daughter. Dude, that would be mm. unfortunate. Yeah. But he's single now, so I'm about to make my move. <laughs> oh, she's cute. She is really cute. Congratulations, Timmy. Well, well they're broken, they're broken up, up now. Oh, right. Well, <laughs> that was a congratulations um, for him to date me. What is he wearing? I guess you guys can't see what I'm looking at. He's got like a weird belt on. He looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, don't judge his style. <laughs> don't say anything bad he knows about what him. he's doing. Dude, can you let's let's imagine a world really quick. I want I want everybody to, everybody to close your eyes. Okay, and I want you to imagine a world. Okay. There is no coronavirus. The police have been completely defunded. We have special units to handle violent crimes only. And specialist workers for all other types of emergencies. Donald Trump is not president. And Timothy Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan are married. Wait. I want to be married to him. (laughs) But he has a side thing going with Sid. No, I am not a side chick. You would not. You wouldn't be a side chick to Saoirse Ronan. I would. 
You got me. Just saying, imagine this world. Wow. Timmy, Timmy, you could make this happen. You could do this for us, Timmy. You got the easiest job out of all of it. All he yeah. has to do is just marry Saoirse Ronan. That's all you got to do. <laughs> or Army Hammer. Either one. You could marry Army Hammer if you want. Marry both. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, folks. Well, let's talk about uh, the uh, Best Picture winner in 2006, Crash. Has anyone seen it? I haven't. Any, anyone nope. at all? I haven't. Man, okay. what a what a like I'm I'm looking at this list. What a garbo year. Yeah. Goodness gracious. What even are these like nobody's ever even heard of these movies. What are they? Can you tell me what Munich is about? Uh I've heard of it. No idea what it's about. Okay. I get it confused with Eunuch a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the true story of the Black September aftermath about the five men chosen to eliminate the ones What is the what am I am I supposed to know what the Black September is? I don't Apparently, Eric Bana was the star in this movie. I didn't know that he did anything other than The Incredible Hulk. Um, geez. Capote. Apparently, Capote is... I mean, I can't imagine it's Capote bad is with Philip Hoffman. Yeah, it is very good. And I, I would say his winning is well-deserved. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's weird that Walk the Line was nominated for, like, everything, but... Oh, that was Walk the Line? It was nominated for like everything but Best Picture. Yeah. Um. But yeah, geez, this was a what? Seriously, just what a garbage year. Goodness gracious. Oh, geez, this was freaking Batman Begins was nominated for Best Cinematography. Oh. And the New World. Why didn't that win? Have you seen Memoirs of a Geisha? No. Apparently, it won cinematography. In any okay. case. Uh, that was a long-winded joke about Crash sucking. <laughs> um, and today we're talking about uh, the movie that might have should have won. It's the only one that I've seen out of the nominees, uh, Brokeback Mountain. Took us 20 Yeehaw. minutes to say the name of the movie we're talking about. It's in the title. People know. You know All what right. I mean? Yeah. If, yeah. They wanna, if they want to skip past the This is the new format, okay? We start out with the news, and then we jump into the movie discussion. Well, we talk about whatever we want. Which is and usually then. the it's it's on, it's on topic. We're talking about the news. Okay, okay. Calm down. I'm I'm fine. I'm Becca's calm. trying to derail the podcast over here. Oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, Brokeback Mountain stars Anne Hathaway's increasingly ridiculous hair, <laughs> um, and it's the story of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Heath Ledger, uh, surprisingly quickly discovering their love for each other and then dealing with the fallout of that over the course of 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like this, this movie is obviously kind of a meme at this point, I think, or maybe that was just for like really immature straight white boys growing up. But like, I don't know. This movie was a meme when I was growing up. I remember yeah. hearing about it in fourth grade and some like well they were in a sleeping bag together (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean but funnily enough like as much as i've heard about it and i guess figured that i knew things about it i had never seen it until today yeah um so yeah it's let's let's get right into it so here's how the show is gonna work we're gonna do some hot takes uh which will be quick 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 uh summations of our opinion on the movie followed by that discussion 
Then Trivia Sid, she read all of the IMDb movie trivia related to Brokeback Mountain so that you don't have to. And then we'll get into our final ratings out of 10 and place this movie on the Western scale. So let's get into it. I don't burn yourself on these hot takes. Becca, how hot is your hot take? Um, It's pretty hot. Ooh, spicy hot take. Yeah. Um, I really liked this movie. I went into it thinking that I would like it and I came out of it liking it. So there wasn't much of a surprise there. Like I will say I don't like Western style movies at all. But is this a Western? No, that's what I was going to say. Oh, okay. But it doesn't feel like a Western. I just don't like Western people. Yeah, (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Jeez. No, just like, the accents and the lifestyle just not interested in it it's fine they can they can have their lives it's fine but like i i would never choose to watch a western because i'm super not interested in it so that was the only thing like kind of holding me back from liking this but i immediately got rid of that idea because it really isn't a western at all it's just about people and i think that the characters are really intriguing and it definitely talks about some important issues. Not even issues, just important important things to talk about and know. Yeah. And I really liked it a lot. Sweet. Sid, how hot is your hot take? It's pretty hot. A double spicy hot takes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the second time I've seen this. I, I don't know if it's different in my level of likeness, but... I mean, it's still, it's a hard movie to watch. It's, it's enjoyable, um, but it is, you know, one of those very bittersweet type movies. And I do get, like, Becca's point on the Western ideals. And, yeah, it's just, it's not a lifestyle that I find particularly interesting um, or appealing. But I think it is really interesting in this story where cowboys hyper masculine um you know you're not really gonna see a lot of hyper masculine men crying and falling in love with each other um yeah this one's really good sweet well we got ourselves a triple spicy hot takes (gasps) i quite like this um i mean i figured that i would it obviously gets a lot of accolades and it was really the first uh like queer romance story to really break into the mainstream i think like that's not to say that there weren't other uh movies in this vein before it but this was the first one that i feel like like i said really broke into the mainstream to the point that it like became a meme for the immature people mm-hmm. um but at the same time like it tells a really compelling story and um i, I think examines uh kind of the 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 complexity of the situation in a very complete way. Um, it was not what I was expecting. I didn't know that it took place over so much time, mm-hmm. for one. Um, and two, I thought that it would be... And I'm, I'm pleased with the direction that it went in, contrary to my expectations. I assumed that the bulk of the movie would be about them like internally overcoming their kind of built up walls um, against their attraction for each other, right? 
but to my surprise, that happened pretty quick. Um, and the movie was really about dealing with the fallout and living in a society that wouldn't accept them for who they were and having to hide that and the pain that that caused them as well as others. And I thought, um, I mean, here's the thing. I love Jake. Jake Gyllenhaal is great. Um, but I mean, the real show stealers here are obviously Heath Ledger and then Michelle Williams, I think. Yeah. Um, just really fantastic performances from both of them. Um, Heath Ledger manages to have uh, just so like he manages to communicate so much while saying so little. Mm-hmm. Um, even the way that he decided to to speak, like he didn't want to open his mouth, like he was just like talking through his teeth constantly, and you know, muttering and not saying things. And and so often you're so frustrated, you're like, just speak, dude. Like just say something. But like. That's so it's representative of the conflict that he's living with of like wanting one thing, but knowing that he can't have it. And, and again, just kind of the fallout of that on his life. Mm-hmm. And like very indicative of the way that he was raised and all the values that were instilled in him and the struggles that he had trying to reconcile his feelings with the way he was raised. Like, I think that was really obvious in his performance. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you're we're we're raised with certain values that our parents instill in us, and especially, um, I think that the you know, you guys both talked about not finding the setting super interesting, but I think that the setting is absolutely crucial for mm-hmm. the story. Be- I mean, I think that a lot of it because of how just patriarchal the society is, right? Like everything is passed down from your dad and everything is my dad did this or my dad was this or, and then even, you know, when uh, Jack gets married, it's his father-in-law becomes this overbearing figure in his life. And so where, um, you know, um, oh, what's his name? Ennis's dad uh, was pretty clearly homophobic or uh, I guess what's a more extreme version of that violently homophobic i don't know yeah Yeah. (laughs) where he was just kind of a dick in that aspect of his life right like that's something that you're raised with and then realizing that i can't even imagine you know what i mean like realizing that you're gay and having to reconcile that with you know these values that you've inherited from from your dad Mm -hmm. it's it's just obviously very very painful for Mm -hmm. him and it's but that's just it's so contrasted with how obviously painful that is for, um, I just lost her name, Alma. Yeah. To see that really the only times that he is happy are when he's leaving her to go be with Jack. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, just like the pain that that causes her and even like the disconnect that that causes him from his children, right? Mm-hmm. That like he even struggles to be close with them for whatever reason, right? We can, it's not said explicitly. My, my, um, theory is that he probably sees his children as a reminder of kind of his own failure to be true to himself, which I think is something again, that isn't said explicitly, but that I felt he struggled with a lot was that, you know, when Jack would suggest, you know, let's go get a ranch and we'll just live together. Like obviously Ennis wants that, but like, I feel like he, 
I got the vibe that he was always disappointed in himself for not being able to go through with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that even him, you know, seeing his daughters as a reminder of that, of how he let himself down kind of a thing. Yeah. And I think he did that with every single person that he interacted with throughout the movie. Um, Even Jack like pushed him away and really tried to get everybody out of his life because he was at some points like unhappy with who he was and where he was at and the choices he was making. Well, because on both sides, right? Like his, his family is a reminder of him not being able to be true to himself and to, Mm -hmm. you know, a reminder that he's not with Jack Mm -hmm. and then being with Jack is a reminder that he is betraying, you know, what he was raised on and, and, and and his family. Like he, you can tell that he cares about Alma. Like he never wanted anything bad to happen to her. He just, couldn't be the person that she needed right so yeah i think with every person that he encountered he felt like he couldn't live up to what they thought he should be i guess i guess maybe i'm projecting a little on him but that's how it came across i felt that yeah Yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. And that, that like to me, that was kind of the, the emotional heart of this movie was that was, was just Ennis and um, him really, I, I would say trying to come to grips, but he didn't really try to come to grips with any of it. He just kind of beat himself up for 20 years. Yeah. And like how honestly kind of harrowing of a story that is and how, you know, just upsetting that is to watch. And I think that you really have to commend uh, both the screenwriter and Ang Lee. Uh, This movie did in fact win both best screenplay and best directing. Uh, I think you really have to commend them for the sensitivity with which they handle um, kind of that conflict, right? Like you really feel for him and you like the, the, the things that he is, experiencing and feeling and thinking like he doesn't have to say them because just in the way again that he grits his teeth or like you know just walks away from things or sabotages himself or like all of these things play into you being able to understand what's going on in his head and while you know none of us can obviously like completely empathize with that like you you do feel it and realize how tragic it is and like how many people had to had to live that life, you know what I mean, for mm-hmm. forever, really, until like really just the last handful of years where uh, people have decided to not just like hate random people for stupid reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can see the impact that it has on him. Like as we watch the movie, he like you can see the weight on his shoulders get like heavier and heavier and heavier as he's getting older. And I think one of the most impactful scenes for me that represented that was uh, toward the end when he's on his last trip with Jack and right before he leaves, it does a flashback to when they were there in 63 and he just looks so young and happy and like carefree. And then we jump back to present time and he's just like so like haggard and unhappy and that was just like a stark contrast to me of like the weight of all of this over time and what it did to him. And I think to build on that would be when he goes to Jack's parents' house. Oh yeah. And again, like nothing is said out loud, 
but like you you understand so much just from their interaction that like you know his dad not thrilled about things but his mom like just loved her kid and wanted him to be happy and like obviously hurt that that wasn't a possibility yeah but I think yeah I think that those ending scenes I think that that the the movie like doesn't I guess the the one of the choices that I need to sit on I guess is that the movie doesn't really resolve like it's not like his burden ever becomes lighter mm-hmm. right like again like you said you just see it pile on and pile on and pile on and pile on and like I guess him agreeing to go to his daughter's wedding like that could be the beginning of him allowing himself to open up a little bit mm-hmm. right but yeah, I think that that weight and and the way that again, just like his facial expressions change over time and um, all that kind of stuff, like it's it's very very heavy. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, I mean, it's definitely that way on purpose. Like it seems to be just a tribute to so many people who weren't able to have their happy endings because of society and the way they would be treated if they came out or tried to love who they wanted to love. And so to me, that's what this felt like was just a tribute to all those people for so long who weren't able to be like live who they really were. Yeah. Well, and then, so are we like that story about Jack pumping up the tire? That's bogus, right? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. No, that did not happen. Yeah. So like, I, I think that that, is obviously very depressing, but like it, it, it definitely grounds the story because I feel like it, it, if if that wasn't a part of it, it could be very easy to come out of this and just be like, well, why the heck didn't they just do it? Like, just go for it. Who cares? Yeah. But then like even Jack, like dipping his toes into the just going for it, right? Like gets him literally murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think about it and... Um, I was trying to think about this movie kind of in context of today and yes it would have been difficult to like leave your families behind and go and be with the person that you really love and it would it would cause some repercussions but you would literally get murdered for that back then and like you see Ennis and he's just so scared and but it's hard because like you see how happy they are together but yeah it's just literally just fearing for their lives yeah yeah and i think even thinking about this movie in context in the context of when it came out in 2005 right mm-hmm. that's when it came out like so much has changed in the last 15 years yeah. oh yeah and i don't know that's just it's interesting because I think that I would look at this movie differently if it wasn't 2020. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that I, like if I had seen this when it came out, right? Like I would have. Yeah. And granted, obviously I'd be really young, but like if I was my age, but it was 2005 or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like I know, I know like this movie was the butt of a lot of jokes with me and my friends. Yeah. Just cause we were stupid and immature and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that I think that you're right though. I, I like that idea of it kind of being 
uh, both a tribute and like is it based on a true story it's based on a short story is that short so. story based on a true story yeah. okay so i think that it's it's almost like a, a in a way it could be seen as like a very generic biopic like not about any one specific person mm-hmm. because i mean if you think about it what's the point of a biopic right like somebody's life is inspiring or harrowing or in some other way needs to be in the public canon yeah. right and so when you take it as that like again just kind of as a tribute to uh, the suffering of all of these people. And at the end of it, you like, I don't know how you could watch this movie and come out of it and be like, yep, that was, that was the right thing to do as a society. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, and again, I think that it coming out at the time that it did, because again, like sure I was in high school, but like, um, like a lot of people weren't in high school and still had those views. Right. Yeah. Of being either blatantly or like as a joke, homophobic, Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you can come out of this movie and think, oh, yep, that that was how we should treat people. Yeah, that's absolutely right. But I mean, it's obviously the people who think that who wouldn't see this movie. But I guess I I, I agree. But maybe somebody did. I don't know. Like it's a it's a very high grossing movie, I'm sure. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe this my hope is that maybe this movie cured some people of their homophobia. I'm sure like uh, people who were kind of more in the middle. I feel like this um, would be, like, a good turning point for them. But, like, thinking about people who are, like, very, like, set in their ways, really homophobic. There's no way they're going to see this movie. You know? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So, unfortunately, it's the things they should see that they refuse to see. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, and it's just, I don't know. Just treat people better. Yes. Be nice. Be nice. End of story. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I just was thinking while you're we watching it, like I feel like a a mainstream mo- movie today about a gay couple is not as um I don't know the right word shocking like to earth people. Shattering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As it was in 2005. Like I I don't know. It's just it's good that we've come that far i mean i think we still have a long way to go as a society but i think when watching this movie i had to put myself in that context a little bit and understand this movie as it was made in 2005 and not in 2000 in 2020 because i I agree i think i think the context of it is important yeah i don't i don't know that i would like it as much as i do without knowing that it came out in 2005. Yeah. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I think that you're right. Like, you know, these days, it's it's just everywhere. And you have yeah. Because, yeah. like, I'd choose, like, Call Me By Your Name to <laughs> to tell, like, a very similar story. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, very similar, but also... Well, no, I mean, Call Me By Your Name is, like, a summer movie by design, yeah. right? Like, it's... Well, it's yeah. I think that, like, what makes this movie so tragic is its timeline. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Like, Call Me By Your Name is, like, very blissful. Yeah. The dream, you know. Like, I I think what what one of the big strengths of Call Me By Your Name is, is that it's just presented as a romance movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you could, like, you know, substitute either one of them as a female and you have 
just like a super typical summer fling movie. Yeah. Right. So like I, I, I loved that about call me by your name that it, it didn't make it about the fact that it was, you know, a queer romance. It was just a romance movie. Yeah. Um, it, whereas this very much like the queerness of it is very central to it. Yeah, that's true. Um, going back to just the time period that this came out, I watched, um, Philadelphia a few weeks ago. Um, I don't know what that is. It's about, so Tom Hanks plays a gay man who gets fired because he has AIDS. And so it's about Denzel Washington. That's layers. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot to it. Um, Denzel Washington is his lawyer as they like take this to court. And I like wasn't very impressed with Denzel Washington's character because like he's very homophobic you know he's saying like homophobic slurs in the beginning and I just like I was like talking to my mom about it because she had seen it when it actually came out and I was telling her like I just like I didn't feel like he really grew at all like I just he he became friends with one gay person and now he's redeemed and and then she had to remind me like you need to think about when this came out and I think I believe I think it was in the early 90s where it was a much bigger statement to just like be nice to a gay person you know it's it's horrible that we've had to take so long to even get to where we are and we have so much more to go but yeah it was i think it is very important to understand when these movies came out and when they were set as well mm-hmm. yeah 93 is when that came out is it worth watching um yeah it was really good tom hanks is really good um, I mean, it wasn't my favorite movie, but it was still good performances. I only watch movies that are your favorite movie. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a young Antonio Banderas, so Ooh. <laughs> that might make you want to watch it. Uh, that that might put me over the edge, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the music in this movie. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It yeah, felt, it was just it there. Felt, it felt a little over the top, which is weird because a lot of it was just like guitar, <laughs> but it still felt like... It just felt like a lot. Like, I felt like it yeah. was through the whole entire movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their, like, main theme, I liked because mm-hmm. it, it did a lot of... I feel like it was... I forget exactly when the scene was, but I think it's when they have their first trip after four years and... Uh, you know, but for because we get their their main theme is they're up on the mountain, um, and it's just kind of that couple note picked melody on the guitar, and then we get a lot of like really droney, uh, kind of atonal stuff underneath a lot of the scenes, um, but then as soon as they get back together, that theme comes in, and it almost felt like the music had been building, just like t- to a breaking point over the time when they were apart, and then when they come together, their theme comes in. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but the like ending, I felt like was really over the top with the music. And that yeah. that theme, of, I guess it would be like the movie theme, I don't know, I felt was a little bit much. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. That's probably my main beef with it. Yeah, I kind of, I don't really feel like I have a ton of beefs with it. But I don't know that there's one thing aside from the acting that I would say was like amazing. I guess the acting in the story. I think the screenplay was very, very good. Yeah. 
and the directing, like, just be able to bring it together. Yeah. And then, obviously, like I said, I think Heath Ledger and Michelle Williams just steal the show. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Watching like this made me want to go back and watch Manchester by the Sea again. Ugh. Oh, that's She's so depressing. So She's so good in that. Yeah, but it's, like, all these little, really great things that come together to yeah. make everything great. But, like, it's not, like, the acting is so great that it's outweighing the screenplay. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think everything works really well together. Yeah. It's a very balanced experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very depressing one. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Pride Month. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, I think this was a good pick for Pride Month because, yeah. again, like I said, um, this is kind of the movie that broke... Uh, queer cinema into kind of the mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at least in my perception of it, right? There might have been something before this that I'm not aware of. But at least for, for our generation, right? This was really uh, what opened up to that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I have anything else to, to talk about. Other than that, I, really. I hope that Ennis found a way to be happy. I really, truly do. Mm-hmm. Me too. That scene, I, I don't know. I just have to mention it again. That scene with, with Jack's mom yeah, where he comes down with the shirt in his hands and yeah. like they oh. don't say anything and she just knows. Yeah. Gives him the bag and yeah. tells him to come back. Ugh, that's so hard. Yeah. One thing I didn't pick on the first time I watched it is um, the part after they have their fight and they're about to leave and Ennis is like, I can't believe I forgot my shirt up there. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, that's weird. That's a weird line. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when he went into the room, I was like, oh, it's because he... Jack took it and I, like, literally put my hand over my heart. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know. That That scene, that whole sequence of him going to Jack's parents' house, I think is just, like, a pure masterpiece of yeah. film. Like, that's, the whole movie is fantastic, but, yeah. like, that... That's, that's like... I feel like a jump in quality over the rest of the film comparable to like the last five minutes of call me by your name. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> like where totally like the movie is really that. good for a while. And then there's a sequence that just leaps in quality yeah. over the rest of it. And I think that that scene, cause that scene is kind of a microcosm of what, of everything that's great about the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And Hathaway's hair. Oh it's my God. insane. It's crazy how bad it gets. Because <laughs> it was so good, right? Yeah. In the beginning. Right in the beginning, so nice. she looked great. Like, how could it get worse? And don't dye it blonde. She lived in Texas. She lived in Texas in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, I I remember living in Texas in the mid-2000s. And there were a lot of women <laughs> who still looked like That's that. actually true. I also lived in Texas in the mid-2000s. Yeah. Wait, when did you live there? You guys I, have this a very yeah. similar. <laughs> it's creepy because you both lived in Ohio uh-huh. and Texas. You and lived yeah. in Ohio. Yeah, we've talked about this. I yes. didn't know that. Yeah, this is why I married you is yeah. because you're so similar to Sid. That's oh. Sid's my best. Thank you. I'm glad that that was your one criteria, <laughs> yeah. and I happened to live in the right places. Yep. Did yeah. we live in Texas at the same time? Um, I was there from. 2002 to 2006. Okay, I was there from like 07 to 09. Oh, okay. So. It's just Bummer. funny. I actually lived in Texas when this movie came out. Oh my god. And gosh. I like it, like people were talking about it and I was like, "Ew, I'm so ignorant. I'm all <laughs> <laughs> And good thing you grew up. We've all been there. Character development, you know. We've all been yep. there. Aren't we yeah. grateful? Yeah. I'm also glad that Alma is happy yeah she deserves some happiness she, she does, does deserve some happiness like, and that, again it's it like i kept waiting for her to confront him about it but then i realized like how yeah, yeah. 
I know I did too. But yeah, you're right. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Especially in Alma's position, like he's still her husband and yeah. he's still cheating on her. And that's no matter what is happening. That's hard for her. Yeah. She sure did marry the fat free version of any man. <laughs> he's so boring. Oh my gosh. And the two scenes. That like, we there's see no him. way he's having a gay affair. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, and then I was. That's like, my criteria. I was looking at him I'm like I could see it. I could see a gay affair going on with this guy. <laughs> Can you imagine she marries? Oh my god! She gosh. marries two gay men in a row. Oh, That's, sad. Gosh. Poor Alma. Poor Alma. But I think that's just another consequence of society. Like he was not allowed to live the way that he wanted to live, and that hurt Alma. Yeah. For sure. And he never wanted to hurt her. But society sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. It sucks a little less now in yes. some ways. Yeah. In other ways, it sucks equally. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know that I have anything else to say. No, me either. I just keep thinking about how good that scene is. Oh, where so he goes good. to Jack's It is really house. good. So fantastic. What a, just an incredible scene. Uh, Sid, what kind of trivia do we have? All right. So, Jake Gyllenhaal is the godfather. So, Michelle Williams and Heath Ledger met and fell in love in this movie. In real life. Really? Yes. Wow, can you imagine? And Jake Gyllenhaal is the godfather of their daughter, Matilda. Well, they actually have a kid together? Uh Uh-huh. Jeez, I didn't know that. Yep. They were never married, but they do have a kid together. Hmm. Um... Heath Ledger declined to go to a one-month cowboy camp because he grew up in a lot of farms in Australia, but Jake Gyllenhaal needed it as um, he required it because he needed roughing up. Dude, I always forget that Heath Ledger is Australian. Mm-hmm. So there are sometimes just, of course I know he's handsome, but there are sometimes where I just like see him in like a flash of a movie, <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, but he had a terrible haircut consistently oh, oh, yeah. in this movie. But like every time he smiled, I was just like thrown back. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Um, he wanted to put a smile on that face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> beautiful. It's the long con. <laughs> um, according to reports, Heath Ledger nearly broke Jake Gyllenhaal's nose while kissing in a certain, in the, I think it's the like reunion scene. Yeah, they do kind of when they they are not graceful kissers. No, no. let's say that it's, right it's off the bat. It's pretty yeah. aggressive. It's very aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, the poster for the film was deliberately styled to resemble um, another romantic epic, Titanic. And when you look at them, hmm. you can you can see it. Really? Yeah. Um, while you're looking for that, Michelle Williams requested that the two male leads kiss in front of her to get her in the right emotional place for her character. And she would often tell them, like, no, you need to kiss better because they would not want to kiss in front of her because that's weird. Yeah, because that's weird. <laughs> right. That is weird. Especially when you're dating one of them. Right. Like, <laughs> hey, boyfriend, I need you to kiss this other man in front of me so that I can properly be emotionally distressed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is one of Daniel Day-Lewis's favorite films. Um, he cites the reason for this as being Heath Ledger's performance. After Ledger's death, um, Daniel Day-Lewis dedicated his SAG award for There Will Be Blood to Heath Ledger. And he mentioned um, 
the particular final scene in Ennis's trailer being as moving as anything I have ever seen. And that's from... That's from DDL, man. Yeah. What wow. on earth? Yeah. Um, there was an I, I audible... I guess a posthumous congratulations to Heath Ledger, man. That's a high bar. DDL's yeah. a prick. <laughs> <laughs> but he is... He's beautiful. There's, there's he's a this, fantastic actor. There's this one picture that I've seen of him like in a park, and he's like got one of those like little beanies on, and he's like a gold hoop, and I'm like, he's just like dressed like a person. No, I, he looks good. I don't think that I've ever seen Daniel Day Lewis out of costume. Oh, he looks good. I'm like, <laughs> I just realized that. I'm in love I don't think with I have a man either. who is like 50 years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> like I've only ever seen him in a tux, like yeah. at an award show, or or in, a in costume. Yeah. yeah. All right, so there was an audible gasp at the Academy Awards when it was announced that Crash won because pretty much everyone expected a good movie to win. <laughs> yeah, but then they forgot that the Academy is all old white guys. Yeah, it's true. And the the best picture is the only one that's decided by ranked choice for some reason. It's so dumb. Um, during her uh, audition... Okay. See? <laughs> Am I right? Uh, you're right. I, yeah. I, I found the picture of Daniel Day-Lewis, and he looks yeah. good. Sure does. I would not recognize him. Dude's a mastermind, man, because mm-hmm. he can just walk around out in public, and nobody yeah. would ever be like, hey, that's Daniel Day-Lewis, because yeah. he doesn't look like he's from the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for her audition, uh, Anne Hathaway had to run to it in between um, scenes while she was filming The Princess Diaries 2, so she was like <laughs> all dressed up. <laughs> Wearing heavy makeup and dressed as a princess. That's incredible because in The Princess Diaries, I think of her as like 13. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And another piece of trivia was just that she was really nervous that she wouldn't get this role because she's been seen as, you know, these very innocent characters. Um, But luckily, Ang Lee hadn't seen any of The Princess Diaries. So, (laughs) (laughs) and he looked past the, I, I would, I choose to imagine that she is in a giant ball gown as she runs in. (laughs) So, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's my guess. Um, oh, okay. So this, this will make you real proud from where we are, guys. Utah jazz owner Larry H. Miller pulled the film from Jordan Commons Entertainment Complex um, despite heavily advertising it. He took it out. Um, once learning about the homosexual content. I remember oh that. I, yeah. Now that you mentioned that, I remember that happening. Mm-hmm. Go Utah. Uh, Gosh, what a garbage. Yeah. And Focus Features um, no longer is in business with Miller. Um, I I don't know if I can support it as much as well, but... Well, he's dead now. Well, oh. Well, I guess as an institution. Anyway, okay, he's dead. It's fine. I can go there. Yeah, but I saw Call Me By Your Name at a Megaplex theater. So clearly they must have started caring about the money. Yeah, they've started yeah. realizing that, you know, queer movies can bring in money. <laughs> anyway, dick move. Because this movie made a lot of money. Yeah, like a lot, a, lot of movie. Lot of money. a lot of movie. A, a lot, lot of money. movie. A lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of movie and make a lot of money. <laughs> um, This is Jake Gyllenhaal's only Oscar nominated performance. Really? What? That's crazy. You would think like Nightcrawler might get him. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was. I, I would have sworn he was nominated for Nightcrawler. Yeah. Weird. Um, Ang Lee told uh, an interviewer that if he were to make this movie when it was set in the '60s, he would cast 
um, Paul Newman as Ennis and Montgomery Clift as Jack. I have no idea who Montgomery Clift is. I had to is. search him up. He's the guy from um, From Here to Eternity, the one movie with the scene on the beach and the famous makeout scene. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. Um, after directing his previous film, Hulk, Ang Lee considered retirement. <laughs> <laughs> is it the terrible one with Edward Norton? No, it's the one with Eric Bana. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah. Because <laughs> that one's not great either. <laughs> no, it's not. He mentioned in an interview that Brokeback Mountain nurtured him back into filmmaking. And he went on to win uh, Best Director again. Oh, yeah. For, for Life of Pi. Life of Pi. Um, so for Anne Hathaway's last scene, um, it's unclear if she knows that Jack was um, gay and having affairs or not, um, because they shot. I think the scene. she knows. I, I do. think so too. I do think she knows. But what they did is they filmed it um, as if she did know, and then they also filmed it as if she didn't know, and they intermixed from those different cuts. Oh. I got the I got the vibe that she. I kept waiting for her to say something as yeah. well. I think she did know because, like, she's smart, but. Like, I think that they probably made up the story about his death. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Um, but she also said, um, I don't know what the truth is. Um, Aang knows the truth, and it's not important to me. Um, because, like, ultimately, it's, like, not really part of the story, but it is It's an interesting part to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's everything for it. Right on. Well, all right, folks. Um, let's see here. So, um, we will now uh, place Brokeback Mountain on the Western scale. The only definitive way to rank movies from a scale of 1 to 10. Becca, your final thoughts and rating out of 10. All right. Um, I don't know that I have many more thoughts. I think that it was a really great movie. And again, like I said, I think it's important to understand when it came out, because if it came out this year, I don't think I would like it as much. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a really important movie. And so for that, I'm going to give it a nine. Sid. Um, yeah, I don't have really anything else to say um yeah i think it's an important movie um something i think that a lot of people should watch um even just for the craft of it because it's it's so wonderfully made um and it's beautiful um i'm gonna give this one a nine uh yeah uh not much more to say i think we've covered it um i actually i'm so torn here think i should have thought about this before now but i just didn't and now i can't decide i think this one gets an eight from me all right bringing us to uh probably like an 8.7 yeah all right that puts this movie in the league with such films as uh ex machina once upon a time in hollywood just below Birdman and Sicario, um, in league with us, and better than Grand Budapest Hotel, Prisoners, or Moonrise Kingdom, or Paddington Two. Wow. Yeah. Ridiculous. Rid- Do it again. <laughs> Sid, Sid refuses to believe that any movie is better than Paddington Two. 
Because there is nothing. Okay, folks, we're going to have to redo this episode so that we uh, can we're, rank we're, this. We're redoing so, the entire podcast. So that we can rank Paddington 2 higher. <laughs> yes. Every episode is Paddington 2. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for our discussion of Brookback Mountain. Uh, jumping into uh, other movies we've been watching. Again, uh, we've pretty much just been playing The Last of Us. And Becca left for a week. So we've been pretty sparse on the films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did watch The Lodge. Oh, I've heard. Oh, yeah. I forgot what that was for a second. Some things about that. It was a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It had some good things. Okay. It just really tried to rip off Hereditary. Yeah. It, it, it's it really so did. obvious. It really, really. Yeah. It, well, it was just super, super. Like, it feels weird to have somebody be derivative of Ari Aster mm-hmm. when Ari Aster is like two or three years into his like feature filmmaking career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was very derivative of Ari Like, Aster. literally, the first scene was in a dollhouse, and then you zoom out, and it's like, oh, it's that same house. Yeah. And, like, everything, I was like, oh, is someone going to die ten minutes later? Are we going head? to a funeral? Does she have a nut allergy? She didn't have a nut allergy. She didn't have a nut allergy, <laughs> but it did start out... Uh, Zooming out from a miniature house and then a funeral at the beginning. Okay. And then it showed them driving in the car and she had a doll in her hand. She had her doll. And she stuck the doll out the window. <laughs> We're like, is the doll going to lose its head? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was crazy. It was like, it was like too much. I was okay. like, okay, this is a way worse version of Hereditary. And not even a version of Hereditary. It's just... Did it make you want to watch Hereditary again? A little bit, honestly. It's so good. Because I think if I can get you to watch Hereditary a few more times, yeah, then I can get you to movies. watch The Witch. Show her movies that are similar to Hereditary, but worse. So she'll be like, I just wish I was watching this. And then you can gradually work up. I need to show you worse versions of Uncut Gems and The Witch. Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't want to see worse versions of those movies. That's what you have to do. Or you just suck it up and watch the good ones. It's true. I like Hereditary for the most part. (laughs) I think I gave it like a nine. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll bring you around. Yeah. To Uncut Gems and The Witch. Yeah, whatever. Those are sticking points for me, man. Because <laughs> those are phenomenal films. Uh, we watched Just Mercy. How was that? It was really good. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little surprised at how much I enjoyed it, honestly. Okay. I have more beefs with it than Becca does. Yeah. As Just like as a film. Mm-hmm. It definitely fell into a lot of the biopic tropes. In that, like, the hero was perfect and the bad guys were just racists. Yeah. And, like, never at any point did the main character make a mistake or do something wrong. And it's like, that's just not how life is. Uh So if you're going to try and tell a story that's supposed to be close to life. With that said, it was a very moving story. Mm -hmm. I think a very worthwhile story. And there was a lot going on that I, I did quite like. I just don't like biopics. It's fair. Yeah. Not a huge fan. Uh, and then we watched Boogie Nights. <gasps> what did you think? It was okay. It felt like two movies. Well, we watched, like it, it, really we watched it in two sittings. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. But it really did. Like, it was two completely different stories. It, it was like, like Rise and Fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but yeah, I, I, I quite liked it. I really liked that. I've, I've been really wanting to rewatch that one. I've never been... I don't think that I've ever come away from a movie 
and been like, wow, Mark Wahlberg killed it in yeah. that. But he <laughs> kills it in this. He does, yeah. He's, He's incredible in this good. film. And it's it's like, it's so fun to see PTA a little bit earlier in his career, mm-hmm. like trying to figure things out. The camera work in that movie is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that like really stuck out to me was the cinematography was just uh, yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, but Burt Reynolds kills it. Mikey Mark kills it. It's just, it, it, was, it was a great movie. I... I'm still debating what the point of it is. Like, what's he trying to say? Mm-hmm. But that's kind of how PTA's movies are in general. Yeah. Like, There Will Be Blood is very on the nose, but all his other movies that I've yeah. seen are just kind of like, wow, why did you make that? It was really good, but why did you make it? Yeah. <laughs> it is somewhat loosely based on real life. Oh, I, really? Um, yes, I know it's based kind of, it's not really based on it. But have you ever heard of the Wonderland murders? Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of podcasts on it. Um, I'm, I feel like um, last podcast on the left would have an episode. But it's pretty much the scene where they go to like the drug dealer's house. Mm-hmm. There's a whole murder with um, that guy involved. And I, is his name actually Dirk Diggler? That real guy that it's based on? The guy who is supposed to be Mark Wahlberg he was also involved in the murders. Huh. Yeah. So it's kind of like, um, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood before once upon a time in Hollywood. Okay. I'll look into that. The Wonderland murders. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Let me double check. I'm going to look into that. Uh, but that was all we watched. Okay. Yeah. What else do you have? In three weeks. In three weeks. It's it's been, I have watched like the, the beginning of the year was crazy. And then I've really fallen off in quarantine, which is weird. I know. You feel like it should be opposite. But I guess I've been home a lot, so. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe when you abandon me, I'll watch more movies because then I don't have to wait for you. Because that's that's the big thing is like anytime that I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, I have to wait for Becca to watch that. (laughs) Yeah, it is The Wonderland Murders. Okay. I'll look it up. Um, Let's see. I have been watching a lot. Not all of it is worth mentioning. Um, I've watched a lot of crappy uh, Disney Channel original movies. That's been really fun. Luckily, Irish. We got HBO Max today, uh-huh. and I found out that they have clock stoppers on that. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch that so bad. <laughs> Get HBO Max. <laughs> okay. Seven-day free trial. Sounds good. Um, I watched School of Rock, which I haven't seen in a long time. That's good. That's Linklater. Yeah. It yeah. was really good. Yeah, it was, it was more fun than, like, I mean, I was probably... 10 when i saw it for yeah, the first school of rock time. is great yeah it's really good um watched anchorman and like zoolander and happy gilmore okay sure those are all like fun yeah yeah um oh i watched the elephant man oh i loved it so much that movie that crushed me so good oh my i've gosh. never seen a movie do that like get used give you such like an intense reaction as elephant man yeah that movie like, that movie crushed yeah. me that's a very very hard one to watch we yeah. it, it actually uh like last week was announced for criterion Ooh, i would love to get that one so comes out in august i think or september i don't know i pre-ordered it yeah yeah fantastic i loved it so much and just uh, john hurt is amazing yeah phenomenal you, you just feel for him and you just want to hug him and ugh. that scene in the train station like just the scene sticks with me yeah that's a great one but the scene that really got me was um when anthony hopkins give him gives him like his own like personal care set oh yeah he's just thanking him over and over oh my gosh 
So good. John Hurt is a, a great actor. He's fantastic. I, we watched 1984 a few weeks ago. And I don't know that I have seen a whole time with John Hurt in it, but every time that I see some, him in something, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah, he's very good. Um, I watched the miniseries Normal People on Hulu. I don't know what it's that is. It's based on a book. I'd never really heard of it, but it's pretty much like kind of the... Um, it's this couple that starts dating in high school and she's like a really not liked person so they keep a secret and then it's like their relationship through the years and it it hurt me on a deep deep level Hmm. but it was very very good i will say it's pretty sexual but it's only 12 episodes or like a half hour each very good very it's like six one hour episodes that's digestible. Yeah. Cried like yeah. a baby. I need a new TV show, so maybe I'll try it out. It's really good. Um, oh, I watched Death Becomes Her. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I, it's um, got... Why can't I think of their names? Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, and... Oh, what's her name? Goldie Hawn. <laughs> where, like, Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep are competing for bruce willis but then they're also like immortal and what like it's it's really good it was weird it was not yeah. what i was expecting at all but it was really fun i'm sure you'll recognize the the poster for it i don't think that i do i've never heard of this maybe it's not that poster. robert zemeckis um, directed it yeah it's another poster where it's um Goldie Hawn has like a hole through her stomach. You'll probably recognize that one. That's not, yeah, that's not the poster yeah, that IMDb has. Oh. I think the DVD cover might be a little bit closer to what we're talking about. Crazy. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Um, and then I watched The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. How was that? I really liked it. Um, That's like one of the few Fincher that I haven't seen. Yeah, it was really good. I would say it kind of fell off in the last 20 minutes for me, um, but it was still super good. And just Fincher is so good. Yeah, He's a very good director. I'm stoked for, even though it's a biopic, his movie is, actually, yeah, we're talking about movies that we're stoked for this year. His Mm -hmm. is supposed to be, it hits Netflix when? Soon? I don't know. Mank is what it's called. Yeah, it's... it's, uh, Orson Welles? It's a biopic about the screenwriter of Citizen Kane. Okay. Who apparently is an interesting enough dude to have a film made about him. I don't know. Right. I trust I trust Fincher. I we'll trust see. him. Except for Alien 3. But he... The director's cut apparently is better than the regular one. Okay, We've never seen the regular that. one. But even the director's cut is pretty bad. Yes. Yeah. And it was one of his first. We'll give him... We'll give him he totally pass. disowns it. It's like, it's like uh, David Lynch and Dune. But I mean, like, even... You compare Alien 3 to other terrible movies, it's not that bad. True. Yeah, but... It's not as bad as It Chapter 2. (laughs) Compare it to his movies, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you think just a few years later he was popping out 7 and Fight Club back-to-back, like... Yeah. Man. Anyway, that's pretty much all that I've been We actually... uh, Becca needed to order something from Barnes & Noble to get free shipping, Mm -hmm. and so we ordered the game... Which apparently is another 90s venture oh. that I haven't seen. Yeah, I've heard of that. That's the one with like the, it's, uh, what's his name? It's got Sean Penn in it? Yes. Yeah. Wait, no, that's not Sean Penn. He's in it. He's in it? Yeah. Sean Penn is like I, the I, lead. I, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas is in it too. 
Isn't he the one on the cover? Uh, and it's like puzzle pieces. No, the cover is like just like some lines. The Criterion cover, at least. I don't know what the other one might be. All right, folks. That'll probably do it for us, yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, we thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at contact at wewatchpodcast.com or hit us up on any social media at uh, wewatchpodcast. Uh, we appreciate your listenership. We'd love to hear from you. But in the meantime, I'm Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. See ya.